Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues, have conversations with foreign affairs thought leaders and newsmakers, and give you the context you need to understand the world today. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn more. And now on with the show. The security and humanitarian situation in the Central African Republic has rapidly deteriorated over the last several weeks. An alliance of rebel groups backing the former President Francois Bozizé have captured significant territory throughout the country. These forces are seeking to overturn the results of presidential elections in late December. In those elections, incumbent President Faustin Archange Toidera was declared the winner. Boisizé was not allowed on the ballot. At time of recording, this rebel alliance controls a key road from which goods, food, and humanitarian supplies are imported to the Central African Republic from neighboring Cameroon. The capital city, Bangui, is under an effective siege. The deteriorating situation in CAR has significant international implications. For one, the Central African Republic is home to a large peacekeeping mission known as MINUSCA. These peacekeepers so far are prioritizing the protection of civilians and are not directly fighting in this conflict. Rwanda and Russia, however, have come to the aid of the Central African Republic government. Meanwhile, over half a million people have fled to neighboring countries in recent weeks, mostly to the Democratic Republic of the Congo. On the line to discuss what is happening in the Central African Republic is Hans de Marie Hongoup. He is the Central Africa Senior Analyst with the International Crisis Group, and I caught up with him from Nairobi. We kick off discussing how the conflict has evolved over the last several weeks and how this conflict is rooted in the aftermath of a 2013 civil war and coup that ousted Bozizé from power. We discuss the international dimensions of this conflict, including the roles of Russia, Rwanda, and France, and Hans de Marie Hongoup explains what opportunities might exist to de-escalate the situation. This brewing disaster in the Central African Republic has not made money headlines uh, in the West, at least here in the United States, but it's worth pointing out, I think, that the Central African Republic was already one of the most stressed countries in the world, and that this renewed fighting threatens to unleash a humanitarian emergency of calamitous proportions. I think you'll appreciate this conversation. The episode does a really good job of explaining the dynamics of this conflict and the broader international significance of the unfolding crisis in the Central African Republic. And today's episode is produced in partnership with the Carnegie Corporation of New York as part of a series of episodes to showcase African voices on peace and security issues in Africa. To access the other episodes in this series, please visit globaldispatchespodcast.com. All right, now here is my conversation with Hans de Marie Hongoup of the International Crisis Group. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices 
to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. The security situation in Central African Republic is uh, very worrying because several arms groups still continue to hold a significant portion of the territory of the country. Over the past uh, six weeks, uh, six of the 14 arms groups in CAR, the largest of them, decided to aggregate the, the forces and to launch an assault with the aim to seize power and to prevent the elections, the legislative and presidential elections in uh, scheduled in December 2020. Uh, fortunately, they did not manage uh, to achieve the call, but that has produced a very chaotic security situation in the country. And uh, at the moment I'm speaking, the capital is, is the access to the capital is blocked and uh, the different trucks of the United Nations and also of different businessmen could not uh, enter the capital because the, the rebels are controlling the different supplies route uh, to the capital. Uh, it's difficult to have a clear view of what are the total area that the rebels control. Uh, some believe that the two-thirds of the country are in the hands of the rebel, when the UN forces on the ground itself believe that it is 44%. But what is sure is that they control a significant portion of the territory and they are in position to put economic pressure on the capital by blocking all the supplies road going through the capital. So, so basically this group uh, or this alliance of groups, we should say, controls almost half of 44% of the territory in Central African Republic and does not control the capital, Bangui, however, is effectively laying siege to Bangui by preventing goods, also humanitarian goods, from entering the city? That's exact. Uh, I will just add that in addition uh, uh, to the fact that those groups are blocking any access to the capital and are complicating any humanitarian assistance uh, in the country, in the provinces, uh, the groups are also, most of them, in locations that are very rich in terms of mineral resources. Therefore, they also prevent the Central African Republic government from accessing uh, those areas and therefore having uh, incomes in terms of national budget because the country does not have a diversified economy and relies quite significantly on gold and uh, diamond exploitation. Uh, but it happens that uh, most of the, the richest areas of the countries are areas where the arms groups as well are deployed. So I think those this is another part of, of, of the problem. So they're starving the government of resources and they're starving the people of, say, Bangui and other areas, quite literally, of, of, of food. Yes, yes. I will say that the situation presently or the situation which has been prevailing since December um, is different from the previous one. Before even December, the arms group in Siawe were already controlling the areas which are rich in natural resources 
The difference now is that they have a clear political agenda now, which is to seize power and try to march on the capital. Plus, they are trying now to starve the capital by blocking any supply roads to the capital. But when it comes to controlling the natural resources of the country, that was something which was, uh, in fact, uh, over the past five years. So who are these rebel groups? You said they have a clear political agenda, which is to overthrow the government. Uh, But where are they getting their arms from? And who are the the people who are, you know, putting this this machinations into place? Uh, CAR country country is coming from a long civil war uh, that started in 2013 when a rebel coalition called Silica uh, overthrew the former president Bozizi and seized power. Uh, They were later forced uh, to leave power uh, due to the pressure from neighboring countries, including Chad and Congo Brazzaville, but also the pressure of France, which is the former colonial power. When they left the capital, this rebel coalition split it in um, various groups. Other groups were also created, other arms groups that were created to react to the, seize, the seizure of power of the ex Seleka coalition. That uh, generated in total a very, um, a very worrying security situation with numerous arms groups. Uh, the African Union and the sub-regional uh, organization called ICAS both decided to uh, conduct a negotiation between the new government, that was the government of President Wadi, elected in 2016, uh, and the arms groups. They selected 14 of among the different arms groups or entrepreneurs of insecurity in the country. So those, those 14 arms groups are the one recognized now and part of the peace agreement, which, is, which has been signed in Khartoum, which has been negotiated in Khartoum and signed in Bangui, under the mediation of African Union and ICAS. So six of those 14 arms groups are actually the largest and the most well-equipped decided in mid-December to form one uh, rebel group or or at least to just uh, uh, fusion the the energy or the different forces in one rebel group called CPC. It is this rebel group which is trying now to march on the capital to disrupt the elections it has tried unsuccessfully to disrupt the presidential elections and is trying now to disrupt the legislative elections scheduled in February. So that means next month. Uh, the political agenda is coming because uh, there are uh, serious indicators uh, uh, proving that uh, the former president, Francois Bozizi, who returned in the country in 2019 after, after being uh, overthrown by Selika, 2013, he went went to exile in Uganda. He returned in the country in 2019, and he wanted to be presidential candidate. He wanted to run for the election, but the constitutional court barred his candidature uh, under uh, the the reason that uh, he was not, uh, he did not have a good morality, which which is about the conditions required to be presidential candidate in CR. And uh, the Constitutional Court argues, argued that he was under uh, UN sanctions. He was on, also under a national arrest warrant. Therefore, he could not be someone of a good morality. Mm. When this, this happens, yeah. yeah, when this happened, um, he's probably the person who 
aggregated those six largest arms groups and um, and give and gave them this this political agenda which is to to seize power and the arms groups uh, have also their specific agenda they take opportunity of all that to to increase uh, the territory that they control to seize new areas rich of natural uh, natural resources the former deposed uh, president Bozize, it was because he was disqualified for running for office that you suspect that he uh, assembled this coalition of rebel groups to march on Bangui and uh, and and try to you know install him in power forcefully. Uh, in in the meantime, there are what like thirteen thousand ish UN peacekeepers deployed as part of MINUSCA, the UN peacekeeping mission in the Central African Republic. Uh, how what in in recent weeks as this fighting has escalated uh, what has their role been in the security situation in the country well among the the various goals of minuska in the country uh, one of the the most ultimate goal is protection of civilians uh, and they have engaged uh, some of their battalions especially the rwandan battalion the burundi battalion and the, Portu- the, the battalion of the Portuguese special forces in fightings against the rebels in different parts of the country. Uh, nine uh, peacekeepers have been killed since, since the last uh, six weeks. Uh, so that is what they have been doing. But in general, it's not a mandate of MINUSCA to, uh, to defeat all the arms group, for example, or to clear the territory of arms group. They are more there for peacekeeping, for protection of civilians, for supporting humanitarian uh, activities in the country. And more recently, the mandate was enlarged to uh, supporting the electoral process. So there's a difference uh, in the mandate of MINUSCA uh, with the mandate of other forces which which could be on the ground. Uh, That's why a country like Rwanda, which has uh, more than 2,000 men within MINUSCA, has decided to send close to 1,000 others, not under the MINUSCA mandate, but under a bilateral agreement with CIA government. And those 1,000 additional troops have uh, a mandate which is much more uh, robust and proactive in terms of combating the arms groups than the MINUSCA. Mm. That, that's interesting. So MINUSCA's role is to protect civilians. They're not going to go out and fight this rebel group. But uh, the government, meanwhile, has uh, asked Rwanda to send troops to fight this rebel group. Now, the government also has close ties with Russia. Uh, I think even the like the a key national security advisor to the current president of CAR is a Russian national. Um, Yes. What, yeah. So, so, what has Russia's role been in, say, trying to defeat this rebellion and and or potentially mediate a a, a uh, more peaceful outcome? Well, Russia is taking advantage of this opportunity to reinforce its its influence, political and military influence. In the country, as you know, they are in the country since 2017, and gradually they have built the influence and uh, uh, specifically influence uh, within the presidency and uh, uh, and uh, particularly near President Tuadera. Um, so, uh, uh, given the power Tuadera was threatened, and that Russian themselves believe that uh, without Tuadera being reelected, uh, the different investment that they have been building the countries in the country since uh, three years will just vanish. 
they decided to arrive and uh, and uh, rescue him. And in terms of what they are doing, they have been with the Rwandan uh, bilateral forces uh, on the forefront of fightings against the rebels uh, in various parts of the of the country, particularly in Damara, for example, town, which is a town which is the hometown of the president of the republic, and that the rebels uh, try several times to to capture. They have been also involved in other parts. Uh, of the other parts of the country, like in Baiki towns in the western part of the country, which is an important town because it is also in the along the supply road between Cameroon and and the capital Bangui, and have been also involved in other towns uh, 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 in the southeastern part of the country. So Russia and Rwanda are backing the government of the Central African Republic. Do we know if the Boazize-fronted uh, rebel groups, that rebel alliance, uh, are they receiving foreign support in any meaningful way? Well, rumors have it in Bangui that uh, the rebels could be benefiting support uh, from Chad uh, and uh, what some may call an orange, an orange authorization from France. But in reality, it seems or it is not the case. Uh, why? Because indeed the rebels have received probably support of dozens of fighters, perhaps even hundreds. It's difficult to figure out the exact numbers of mercenaries coming from, from Chad and even Sudan. But it's very unlikely that it is uh, an official support or active support from Chadian state. Uh, the way Chadian uh, 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 regime or power is organized is that it's difficult for, for the country first to completely control uh, its own border with, with Central African Republic. Plus, you do have a lot of high rank officials within Chadian army and Chadian establishment uh, who could escape to the full control of the president and could have certain specific relationship with uh, uh, rebels leaders in CAR. So yes, we have, uh, let's say, a little support of uh, mercenaries coming from Chad, but that's not something uh, necessary uh, uh, involving Chadian government officially. Uh, same for France. Uh, there is no no beginning of evidence that I found on the ground uh, connecting the rebels to 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 France, uh, particularly Bozizé to France, given also the the background of. Bozizé with France, uh, once has to remember that in 2013, when he was overthrown, uh, a weeks before that, he sent some young people to attack the French embassy. But the fact that, uh, uh, in the common opinion, and probably it is also the fact, French seem to not be uh, very happy with the current president and the fact that he is now under the influence of Russia, push people to extrapolate and to think that French may be backing the rebellion. Okay, but probably France is not. It doesn't seem to make sense that they would be. In Me your too. As I, yeah. said, on the, as I said, on the ground, there is not a beginning of evidence in, uh, going to that direction, but I was just trying to uh, uh, explain why some people uh, may have uh, those ideas in mind. Even before this escalation of fighting in December 2020, the Central African Republic was an extremely fragile state and, and also a place of extreme humanitarian distress as well. 
What do we know of the humanitarian fallout from this renewed fighting so far? Well, you rightly pointed that uh, before the event of December and January, the country already had uh, 600,000 uh, IDPs and uh, more than 600,000 refugees as well in neighboring countries. According to official figures of the UNHCR, uh, since mid-December, uh, the fighting have caused uh, uh, 84,000 new refugees and more than 100,000 uh, displaced people. Uh, I do believe that in addition to those figures which are already extremely worrying, uh, something we should um, uh, 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 cut the attention of international partners is the fact that uh, humanitarian assistance is more complicated today, first due to fightings among uh, the belligerents, but also because uh, both uh, sides seem to be harassing the humanitarians. There are cases of um, rebels that have looted uh, dozens of bases of NGOs in various parts of the country, in the western part, in the center part, and even in the southeastern part in prefecture like, like Mbomu and Ombomu. Uh, but you do also have cases of security forces that have been arrest, harassing uh, the staff of NGOs that were moving either from Bangui to the provinces or from the provinces to Bangui. Although all those arrestments complicate further their work. Hmm. So basically, humanitarians have been a target of attack by uh, both sides of this conflict so far? Yes. I will not say attacks when it comes to the government forces uh, directly. But I will say uh, harassment or heavy harassment. Mm. Uh, four days ago, Joss, there were uh, one NGOs which uh, saw their staff being beaten uh, uh, at the checkpoint of the security forces in one in one prefecture, and later they were briefly arrested for a day before being released. So uh, this just to to tell you the kind of cl- climate. It's not a direct attack, but it's clearly an harassment. Uh, but for the rebels, one can say that it is direct attack because they have attacked uh, uh, at least uh, a dozens of, of bases of NGOs in the prefectures. They have carjacked dozens of vehicles of, of NGOs as well. I, I mean, is it fair to say that the humanitarian crisis is escalating You know, by the day or by the hour just in terms of the fact that you have um, all supplies into Bangui, the capital city, basically blocked because these rebels control that main corridor from Cameroon. I mean, I have to imagine that you know there is some air capacity, um, uh, and they're able to to um, you know airlift some supplies in. But I would have to imagine that yeah. most humanitarian relief probably comes cross border. Um, at some point, it seems that you know the situation may become extremely dire. Yes, I, I completely share your observation. Uh, there, are, there are some air capacity indeed, but in fact, the majority of, of UN goods and aid arrive in the country through trucks passing uh, through Cameroon and arriving in, in CAI. And it's the same also for the, the, the day-to-day business between the two countries because CAI is a country with no opening to the sea, to the sea and which heavily rely, rely, relies on on supplies coming either from Sudan and Chad, but more importantly from 
more importantly from, from Cameroon, uh, this starvation this of the capital has already caused a kind of um, increase in the prices of basic commodities. Some, some goods have just doubled or tripled in the, in the capital, while others are no longer available uh, in, the, in the market. When I discuss with some people from the UN, and even publicly, the UN has declared that their priority is to reopen the corridor and the road between Cameroon and CAR, and they have launched already operations uh, in that direction a week ago. The only problem is that it's highly difficult to police uh, uh, all this long road because it's actually an easy, uh, an easy win for for the rebels who could just at eight, who could just shoot at any convoy, and the different drivers will be scared and refuse to 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 continue the the journey. So. Uh... What opportunities exist at this point for de-escalation? I, I mean, it seems as you describe, we're just headed for this massive humanitarian catastrophe. Uh, so there seems to be some urgency in de-escalating the situation somehow. What what opportunities exist to that end? Well, the opportunities. Um, first, there is the legislative election scheduled in principle on in seven of February. Rumors have it that uh, uh, they are going to be delayed, but the problem is that given the constitutional uh, the constitution of CR, they cannot be delayed for more than six or seven weeks because the new MPs have to swear in um, in end April later. Uh, therefore, the first priority for the president is to try to achieve um, even informal talks with the rebels in order to to have some some ceasefire to permit to permit those legislative elections. Uh, this ceasefire could be could serve as premises for more sustained and deep talk talks with with all of them. Um, we believe that within the rebellions. Um, uh, the arms group do not have the same level of commitment to the political agenda of overthrowing uh, the, 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 the power or of preventing the elections. So perhaps uh, uh, the government, with the support and the mediation of African Union and ICAS, uh, should first start by uh, reaching out to those groups individually, also seeing which are the differences among the group. We saw very recently that in one of the most important groups, some of their generals, in quotes, uh, were not in favor of of continuing to prevent the elections. So they have to build on that, engage in talks with those different people in order to achieve at least a ceasefire. Meanwhile, the other opportunity of this escalation is also with the opposition because we have been discussing of the security situation, but the country is also in a very polarized and and divided political situation with a part of the opposition, actually the most important part of the opposition, who we should refuse uh, 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 to admit, to recognize the victory of, of the president under the reason that the president was elected with just 17% uh, 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 of, of, the, of, the, of the voters in total. In fact, as you probably know, the result of those insecurity in the country is that all is that only 35% of CR citizens were able to vote. And for the opposition, this is not a credible elections, and they do not recognize, therefore, uh, the incumbent president. So that's why on both sides a dialogue and talks are are needed to de-escalate.
well, Hans, thank you so much for your time. This was very helpful. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Hans. That was very helpful, rather distressing, but I think an important opportunity to shine a spotlight on this unfolding crisis, which, as I said earlier, really has the potential to get very bad very, very quickly. And the more attention that I think we can shine on it, uh, I think the, the better. All right, as always, feel free to reach out to me. If there's anything on your mind, you can reach me using the contact button on globaldispatchespodcast.com or hitting me up on Twitter at Mark L. Goldberg. And one disclaimer that accompanies episodes that are produced in partnership with the Carnegie Corporation of New York, and that is that the opinions and views expressed in this episode belong solely to the individuals who expressed those opinions and views. All right, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.